to the J. Kim Show, Hong Kong's first dedicated podcast on investing in Asia. Join us as we survey the land and discover the greatest companies and most profitable investment opportunities in Asia. If this is your first time listening, thank you for stopping by. This podcast is produced every week with the goal of providing actionable insights to you, the listener, with every single episode. And now, on to the show. This week's show guest is Drake Sutton Shearer, CEO and co-founder of Prohibited Media. Prohibited Media owns and operates the first original content studio and largest multi-platform video network in the cannabis space, reaching millions of people each month. They provide a suite of premium video production, brand development, and digital marketing solutions to help cannabis brands build their businesses and connect with customers. Now, you might be wondering why I'm featuring a cannabis company on my show. Cannabis has traditionally been dismissed as an illegal or high-risk sector, but from an investor's standpoint, it's an undeniable trend that needs to be looked at. Let's get on to the show. Hey, Drake. uh, How's it going, man? Thanks for coming on the show. Cool. Thanks, Jay. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm super excited to talk to you today uh, because you're in a very uh, unique space. uh, And especially from an investing standpoint, it's a very trending uh, space for us. So why don't you uh, give us a little bit of introduction and uh, who you are and what you do for a living? Sure. Uh, Well, my name's uh, Drake Sutton Shearer. I'm the CEO and uh, founder of Prohibited Media. Uh, And uh, I've been in the cannabis industry now for four and a half years uh, full time. Uh, And Prohibited is a platform that creates, builds and markets cannabis brands to global audiences. And we do that by helping cannabis companies build their businesses with video production and packaging and design uh, and marketing. In addition, uh, we own the leading content studio and the largest multi-platform video network in the cannabis industry. So you can find our content on popular platforms like Roku or Apple TV or Amazon and, of course, uh, on Prohibited.com. Wow, that's that's pretty fascinating. You're in a very unique uh, sort of niche within the cannabis space, which is why uh, I'm particularly intrigued. Uh, you're an entrepreneur. Uh, you've done some ventures in the past. Maybe you could give us a little bit of, uh, of of background of what you did before you actually came into the cannabis space. Sure. I mean, you know, we can go back a long way. Uh, you know, um, I'm from New Zealand initially. You know, I grew up uh, as a kid on a farm in the middle of nowhere. Uh, <laughs> so agriculture. Agriculture is in my veins. Um, I was selling wool and livestock when I was a kid. Uh, I've been self-employed since I was uh, 15. Uh, I've built multiple businesses and sold them. I was in the music business for many, many years. Um, and I've been in the States for 22, 23 years now. And I came here when I was 20, 21, I believe. Um and uh, we had a talent management company. We had a number of Grammy award-winning producers uh, and platinum plus selling artists that we managed as a company. Uh, we also built um, websites and kind of lifestyle brand marketing programs for large entertainment companies like Universal and Sony and people like that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I sold that and then went into the virtual goods business. Uh, I had the first gifting app on Facebook. So... Many of you may remember uh, back in the day on Facebook, they used to have these really annoying gifts that you could send to your friends and they would like animate and stuff. So I was (laughs) I was the guy that did that with some partners and we sold that 
you know, um, we had really great partners. You know, we did we did stuff like Transformers and The Walking Dead. This was way back when, um, you know, and we would make these entertainment uh, virtual gifts. And so I got very involved in the virtual goods uh, business and uh, and have a bunch of patents um, around that. So we sold that. Then I got into the music publishing business and we built a, a music publishing company and we acquired a number of copyrights and uh, placed them in very popular movies. Uh, and then we sold that. Um, and, you know, cannabis has been part of my life uh, since I was very young. Um, you know, I used to grow it uh, when I was younger, and I'm very familiar with it, so it's very personal to me. So when mm-hmm. I felt like there was two things, an opportunity to make a difference and change the conversation for the better, um, you know, through marketing, media, branding, et cetera, and an opportunity to do something that was very near and dear to me and to help people, um, you know, I, I jumped headlong into the space. Wow, that's pretty exciting. You you clearly have a you know both an entrepreneurial background and a background in media, which uh, which makes perfect sense. I guess you you're spotting this trend, which now it's very you know it's very apparent what's happening in, in the space. But for you know four or five years ago, it wasn't as apparent. So I guess uh, it was a bit of a risk. We've taken fucking arrows in the front and arrows in the back. Plenty of scratch marks. But look, that's the thing. If you're going to try to pioneer <laughs> something or be involved with that, you got risks. You know, if you've got experience in overcoming risk, you have a higher chance to succeed. So, you know, we've been very fortunate, but we're also, we've done this before, you know, and, and uh, so we were willing to take those risks. But yeah, man, like when we went out to the market four years ago, you know, just with a deck and an idea to help change the conversation in the way that we wanted to, you know, a lot of people were interested, but a lot of people weren't writing checks. And, you know, today that's very different. Everybody wants to write a check and it's really about who do we want in that cap table. So it's, it's a different, different time. That's right. So it's, it must feel pretty, uh, <laughs> vindicating if you will, or, 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 or just, just comforting that, that, uh, the, the, the tables have turned. It's that the power has, has changed hands now. <laughs> It feels good, and if only if only the power would shift to the people, which would shift to the federal government, then we'd be in an even greater position. But uh, it'll, it'll come soon. Right. So uh, that's a, that's a good segue. I wanted to ask you, um, so for the audience that perhaps is has not been paying as close attention, you know, I personally it only popped up on my radar personally in the last uh, year, I'd say, because I started seeing investment opportunities in it. Uh, but I'm not really in that space. So uh, can you give the audience just a brief overview? What's the, what's the landscape right now? Uh, why has it sort of, uh, exploded in popularity in, or, you know, in, in, of interest in the last four years? What is the sort of legal landscape as well? Well, look, you, you know, in the U S you got, you know, legal states, you got 30 medical, that means that, you know, medically they've passed laws that enable people to consume if it's for some kind of an ailment. You got 16 with mm-hmm. CBD, um, which is the non-psychoactive part of the plant, but has a lot of medicinal properties. You got, you know, nine recreational states. You got nine states that have some adult use law um, along with medicinal that, you know, allow uh, people to consume and, and use cannabis for, for any, many different means. Um, and, um, you know, it'll be like California alone is going to be close to $7 billion in revenue in 2018 from cannabis. I mean, that's, that's astounding. The, the U S recorded, uh, music industry is around the same, I believe. Um, in the, <laughs> wow. and there's a lot of smart people in the record business. Um, the cannabis business has a lot of smart people, 
in the business and, and more coming into it. But it's still a very, very, uh, very early time. I think that the thing that's really fascinating to me is that not since the Industrial Revolution or the tech boom has there been something like this. I mean, cryptocurrency is, is surely an opportunity as well. But with cannabis, I mean, well, well first of all, the Industrial Revolution and the tech boom, those were market creators and makers, right? Like those are things that were created and happened and, and grew. The cannabis industry, we're not creating the market. The market right. exists and, and many people think it's a half a trillion dollar play. And, you know, the U.S. alone is easily a hundred billion dollars um, in the future. And, you know, when you when you compare that, uh, you know, I think coffee is a 30, 30 billion dollar industry. Um, you know, we are the same as tobacco at 100 billion. And I'm pretty sure uh, over the next five to seven years, we're going to be siphoning off a lot of that uh, that capital uh, into the into the cannabis industry because people are going to uh, to move to cannabis. That's pretty fascinating. And I like the analogy that you used uh, of being a, a mark that the market is already there. Uh, so, uh, you know, it's argu- arguably it's it would be it'll be easier for um for cannabis to go more mainstream. So uh, from a legal standpoint, personally, Drake, how do you feel about, um, I mean, federally, do you, do you actually think that there's a chance that it'll be legal uh, at some point in the future? Is there a risk? I mean, obviously, there's always risk, but uh, especially given our current administration now, but uh, what's the what are the risks uh, for people that are looking to invest in this space? Well, I think, look, you know, 64% of the U.S. population think it should be legalized. I mean, it's pretty hard to get anybody to agree on anything these days, let alone 64%. Yeah. So that's a great, uh, a great thing in itself. You know, I think that whenever there's significant capital and money involved, I mean, people make decisions, uh, good or bad. And, you know, knowing that is a potentially 100 or 150 billion dollar market um you know the government is absolutely going to say yes the question just is when now i i you know i have what i think is a very deep network in the cannabis space and i've talked to people Mm -hmm. that are close to washington i've talked to people that are not and the general consensus is it could be two years could be seven years um before the federal government legalize it but you know here's the way i look at it is you've got states and you've got constituents in those states that have voted for cannabis legalization. And so you've got the state's rights issue versus the federal government. The thing is, is that the feds, you know, that they can't really, they don't have the time or resources to, to walk into to the states and say, you know, hey, we're going to regulate and we're going to you know, put these companies out of business. Right. Um, and the states are vehemently against any of that, too. So. You know, they've got their own issues to figure out. In the meantime, the business just keeps on growing. I mean, you can't, you get alcohol as a $200 billion category. They're certainly right. upset because money is moving from their category to cannabis. So they're like, well, you know, we need to be in that business, which is why you're seeing nearly a half a billion dollars of, of transactions happening um, in these super early stages. You've got, you know, Constellation brands that, invested a couple of hundred million into canopy growth out of Canada. And, you know, now they're going to be making beverages. I mean, it's, it's right. just a matter of time. And I think that for investors, I mean, look, if you're looking for great returns, you move in early on great opportunities. If you're looking for mild returns, then you'll, you'll wait. Right. Um, I think that if you're looking for safer returns and safer uh, you know, bets, you'll look at companies that aren't necessarily touching the plant directly. Right. Uh, and that's one of the reasons we got into the business too, 
is because, well, we don't have the same risks as, say, somebody who was in the agriculture side of the business. Right. I think it's a very smart way that you've entered the market. So um, let's let's talk about prohibited. Uh, let's let's drill down a little a little bit deeper, because I think that what you're trying to do uh, also uh, is is trying to help with some of the negative uh, sort of uh, stigmas that are attached to the space. First of all, right now, I mean, I, I think that it's obviously becoming more mainstream. Uh, how do you see the sort of perception? Well, I think, you know, we, we have a philosophy at the company where, you know, like other industries that are emerging, you have a choice. You can either talk to yourselves and complain and have an echo chamber, and the echo chamber can grow to be very large and significant. But you're really only influencing the people and the you know the, the pieces of that echo chamber. And so I tend to look at the market and say, well, if we're going to mainstream the market, then we need to bring the mainstream to cannabis and vice versa. Um, and so you know we we're very focused on partnerships. So we have a partnership with Advertising Week, which who are the the leader in in kind of what's next. They do massive massive events around the world, and we're the exclusive cannabis partner with them to help introduce cannabis to Madison Avenue, and you know into the very large consumer packaged goods companies. Um, and that's right. one way we do that on the business side. Uh, we have some huge partnerships we'll be announcing soon. I can't say what they are today, but they are with best-in-class publishers and magazine owners that will really help give entrepreneurs in the cannabis space a much higher profile um, in the in the global marketplace beyond cannabis. Um, you know, we we have partnerships with people that manage some of the biggest stars in the world of film and TV, and we're currently working on unscripted and, and reality shows with them to figure out ways to move cannabis into the mainstream. But what's happened in the past is it's been kind of like, you know, legacy media, uh, kind of the high times magazines of the world. And right. like Cheech and Chong, it's incredible what, what <laughs> they've had like a great run. Right. But like, that's, that's, that's not cannabis. I mean, the thing is what we're noticing is that there's a huge opportunity where, Nine percent of the market are endemic, meaning like they wake and bake, they'll wake up and get stoned. It's that's that's a very specific cannabis culture thing. But ninety-one percent of the overall market, uh, that is the mainstream. They're curious, they're interested, they want to know. Cannabis doesn't define their lifestyle, right? They just include cannabis as part of their lifestyle in certain ways, and those those are the people. That is the audience that's going to take the message of cannabis and permeate the mainstream and create more permanence. Uh, and so we're very focused on, on reaching that audience and, and talking to them. I find it pretty fascinating that, uh, you know, when people, like you said, that there's a lot of like, you know, Cheech and Chong, uh, they've had a good run. But then they've they've also helped with this sort of negative uh you know, stigma that is attached to, to the, the industry. And when you kind of drill down and do the research and, and realize that there are uh, a lot of health benefits from, from uh, s- certain parts of, uh, of the plant or, or when you extract, when you extract it, you know, I mean, I think that uh, it changes the entire situation because, um, you know, people are, are very into health nowadays. And so uh, that's a very positive tailwind for, pe- for, the, for the entire industry. The health industry, health and wellness is a, is a phenomenal trend as well and you've got so many issues just in the overall food chain and that we talk about that for hours uh mm-hmm. but i think that people people today you know they're just generally more informed the internet has certainly helped that i mean 
people today think they know a lot more than they do because they read about it online. Is it true? I don't know. Um, but have they experienced it? Probably not. I think I tend to err on the side of, okay, well, if someone hasn't really experienced something, then how much domain expertise they really have. But I think that, you know, look, Cheech and Chong is, is, is for us from an era that they, they, they entertained a lot of people. And, you know, they also, you know, they went to jail. Um, you know, Tommy Chong went to jail for the cannabis, which was insane. And it was just the wrong time. And, and he served time and, and they're great people. Um, and they did good things. And it just happened that, that at that time, cannabis was absolutely outlawed. Um, he's now has a pretty thriving business, uh, in, in, in a very different kind of category, uh, of cannabis. Uh, so Drake, yeah, let's talk about prohibited media. Uh, specifically, you mentioned earlier that your, your business involves in a, a couple different areas. You know, I'm, I'm looking at your website right now. It's, it's beautifully designed. Uh, original content is, is one of your strong, strong points that you guys, uh, sell, um, on the site. And I think it, it's, uh, it's very necessary for that sort of thing to pr- proliferate the message. And you also help connect brands, uh, cannabis brands to, uh, to each other and to other larger corporations. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. We, look, I think the, the overall thing here is that, our our main mission is to, uh, you know, help, uh, brand partners build their businesses. Um, we don't have clients in our business. To us, clients are for bankers and dentists and lawyers. We are hyper-focused on partnering with people and, and building value. You know, The advertising industry as a whole has been very focused on the client mentality, which is get the money in the door and doesn't matter what happens next. And we're very focused on value creation and value building. And and frankly, you know, we, we, we are taking positions in some of these companies. And so we need to have a long term uh, a view on it because there's a there's a ton of enterprise value to create around uh you know ownership in some of these brands that we're helping to build and market um but you know it all starts with content and these days not many people very few people uh make a purchase decision without watching a video or reading an article and so you build trust with consumers uh, when you can deliver great content experiences where they can learn and be entertained and, and discover things. And once, you, once you've done that, you can build an audience. And then once you've built the audience, the audience is telling you what they like because you're learning about you know, what they like through their behavior. Uh, and then you can offer them products that they're looking to purchase. And so in that way, you get to kind of build this product and media company hybrid uh, whereas if Diageo, the largest beverage company in the world, uh, you know, could own Viacom or Vice Media, um, you know, that's the vision that we're building. And we're very excited about it. Uh, and it's working. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's such a clever way, uh, too. And, and you see all these sort of uh, older school, I guess, Fortune 500 companies now backpedaling. And they're like, okay, we need to get into media. We need to, we need to reinvent uh, our, our sort of online presence and this sort of thing. So I think you're attacking it from a very uh, effective angle. So you have the original content uh, that you create that helps with building prohibited the brand itself. And then... Um, then the, I guess on the revenue side of your actually business is, uh, you mentioned two things. So one is connecting the brands and I guess you, there's a fee involved with that. And then the other you mentioned briefly is you actually invest in some of these countries, uh, companies. Is that right? Yes. There's three legs to the stool of the business. The first is the creative agency side of the business where we help a cannabis brand 
design their packaging, create their packaging, connect them with supply chain partners, use strategy, help them with marketing. And we get paid fees for those. And sometimes we'll take less of a fee in exchange for ownership and equity or a perpetual rep share. Uh, we currently uh. we currently have positions in, in four different companies and we expect to be in 20 or 30 over the next few years. Um, the other the other upside to that is that we get to see nearly every company in the space that matters come through our door. So we learn a lot about the industry, a lot about the landscape, the nuances of the landscape, which that kind of stuff you can't buy. And it's uh, it's hyper intelligent and it's very important to us as we as we move into the market more. Um, the, the second leg of the stall is the content creation. We have our own studio where a brand will pay us to produce content for them, but we actually own the content. So they may say, here's $15,000 or $20,000 to produce an episode of, say, a three-minute episode of some digital video, but we actually own that content. They don't. They have a right to use it to, for promotion, right? But we own it. So what that does is that it helps to underwrite us building a library of intellectual property. So we now, wow. yeah. So we now have uh, the largest cannabis video library in the world of more than forty-five hours that we are currently repackaging to license that for fees to companies like Shutterstock and Getty Images and people like that. Um, so it's, right. it's kind of like you know the, the cannabis companies they pay for it once. We make a margin when we produce it. And then we own 100% of the margin thereafter because we own the content and we get to actually license it for fees forever and ever, amen. Um, and then the third leg of the stool is that once you've built the brands and you've marketed the brands through content, then you can help sell those brands and those products direct to consumer through e-commerce. And we're currently working on our e-commerce initiatives right now, and we're incredibly excited about that. Uh, and it's it's feeling really very good. That's fantastic. Uh, that, thanks for the breakdown. It, it's crystal clear now what you guys do there, and I think it's so smart. Uh, you know, I, I particularly like the fact that you guys are are taking some investments into these companies. So it's it's almost like uh, your company is running like a mini VC as well in the cannabis space, which is awesome. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, imagine like imagine you know, you're an investor and you want well, how does my investment scale? Well, it's fr- frankly, your invest. Would you want to invest? in a company that has one brand or would you want to invest in a company that has 20 plus brands and a content library and an e-commerce? I mean, this is multiple, it's very diversified on the revenue side. And look, there may be something in the future where, because we have a lot of people involved in that business that have a lot of influence in, in the entertainment business that we have one or two hit shows that could be a fortune changer. You know, one out of 20 brands could be a quarter billion dollar brand. These are just this is right. this is the future we're building. You don't really know because we're building that airplane in the sky kind of thing right now. Um, but we feel we feel very confident that uh, that we are building some of these future hits. So uh, I'm curious to hear your thoughts, Drake. You know, you, you've been in the business for four plus years. What, what, what does what does cannabis the industry look like five years out from here, and what does prohibited look like? Well, I think five years after here, we're, we're going to be doing a hundred million dollars top line, and and I think nice. that you know, given our position in the industry as as a leader and having defended that and built and widened and deepened our moat, I think we could have a billion dollar valuation. Um, I think that the the cannabis you know industry itself in five years from now, I believe, will be federally legal. Uh, I believe that California will be without question the greatest market opportunity uh, globally for cannabis. Um, you know, it's just absolutely massive because you've got all the right factors and you've got P 
people here who really, really understand the lifestyle. And you've got wellness, which is such a California trend, too. It's really a confluence right. of things that are happening um, to really, you know, prop up that market opportunity. But I think that globally, it's going to be online, too. I think, you know, you'll see more, much more movement in Europe. And I mean, you got I was just down with Advertising Week in Mexico City uh, five weeks ago, uh, talking to people there figuring out strategies to, you know, on the importation and export side, because Mexico now has allowed the importation of infused products, right? So you've got an entry point now into into LATAM, into that market. Uh, so you can also have content and you can have, you know, beverages or topical lotions or edibles, whatever it may be, uh, into Mexico. Right. And, you know, so we, we what I believe that one of the biggest white spaces in the cannabis industry is the Hispanic market. There's not one company devoted to building brands for Hispanics, which is insane. Um, so right. we've we have partnered with the you know the largest uh, talent management firm in in the Latin community uh, to work with them to build brands and produce content. So uh, you've obviously you know four years ago when you or five years ago I guess before you jumped in you you did your research and and uh, and you you've been. Uh, you know, investigating what the uh, what the different parts of the business are. You know, as an investor, uh, could you maybe get, talk a little bit about? Um, you know, I know there's a there's a, a a bunch of different verticals that you could go in. Like you said, you could you could do you can invest in say a grower that touches the actual plant, uh, which obviously has higher risk. Um, you know, I know there's extraction facilities. There are things like edibles you can uh, companies that you can invest in, and then there's like the quote unquote pick, picks and shovels plays, uh, such as, as prohibited or or maybe some of the accessory makers. What what's your view uh, overall on like what's the you know what's the best place to invest? I mean, personally, I mean, I'm biased. I mean, I, I just think it's picks and shovels. It's non plant touching today. I mean, look, if you're touching the plant. One thing could happen tomorrow, and and, and you could be out of business. Um, prohibited is not going out of business because the market's only growing, and people still want a place to voice their opinion and watch content. They still want a place to learn about things, so that's that's only going to grow. I think that you know, software as a service uh, products are great. I think that there's a huge opportunity in distribution of cannabis. Uh, I think that the delivery service is a big opportunity if it's, if it's the right company. Mm -hmm. um, there's still, you know, still a lot of issues around delivery. However, direct-to-consumer is the way. I mean, Amazon is, is, has proven that. And I think ultimately Amazon will be selling and, and delivering weed at some point, um, you know, sometime past, once, once we get past the opio opioids. Um, but I think if, you, if you're invested in the space, you invest in things, two things. One thing that you, because you understand it, or at least people that you trust understand it enough so that you feel right. confident and in, in invest in your money. Um, you know, I also think though, when the time comes for people to look for exits, I mean, liquidity events are everything that people look for. And as a company, I'm, and as a CEO, I'm also always focused on, you know, trying to build and create shareholder value. Um, right. there's going to be a lot of M and a in the media and the brand and marketing side of the business, because, there's just that's that that's what it is. It, it's an absolute war of brands that is coming in the cannabis space. There's no question about it. Today, there's no brands, in my opinion, in the cannabis space. Um, you know, great brands take years. I mean, Pepsi is a 123 year old brand. I think that to have a great to right. have a great brand, you need loyalty from consumers, 
and you need credibility, which means you need utility. You need a reason for people to continue to buy into that brand. And I think that cannabis companies are just starting to understand those fundamentals and they're, un- they're starting to understand the consumer. So right now you've got a lot of packaging and a lot of experiences and a lot of marketing, but like, you know, all of these things are fundamental to brand building, but in terms of, you know, has the, has the future of cannabis brands arrived yet? I'm not so sure. It's going to be interesting to see how this uh, as plays out, but it's certainly it's certainly a sector that uh, is you know we're all going to keep our eyes out uh, for. Uh, you know, as an investor, I think a lot of our audience are investors, and and I know for a fact, you know, just like the crypto thing you mentioned earlier, um, it, I've just been seeing so much about it in the last sort of year, eighteen months about uh, investing, whether it's uh, you know pitch decks or or just people talking about it in, in mainstream media. So I think it's an exciting time to be in the space. I particularly like what you guys are doing there at Prohibited, Drake. And um, I just wanted to ask a last few questions. You know, again, appreciate your time. What are some, what are some of the goals that you have in the near term for 2018? Anything uh, that you want to direct our audience's attention to in the near term? I mean, in the near term, I mean, we're going we're gonna to finish our Series A, which is, which is feeling like it's going to close in the next month or so pretty easily. Um, and we're going to get to work and, and continue to build out the team and we're going to continue building series. You know, we've, we've got some incredible partnerships that I mentioned earlier. We can't talk about today, but they're with some of the best companies in the world of what they do, uh, which we'll, um, I think, you know, for us, we're, we're, we've got some shows on the content side that we're going to go out and pitch and likely sell to the Netflixes of the world, um, which will help to extend cannabis into the mainstream. Um, we're, you know, we're really building out a product development business because the ability for us to ideate, create a brand, put it into the marketplace within six months is a really, really interesting opportunity that, um, you know, frankly could, could be just a, a huge moneymaker. Um, because as a company in the cannabis space that can actually spin up a brand and market it, you know, all at the same time with an audience is very, very unique. And so for us to be able to really invest in that, uh, into the more of the science of that and treat it, you know, on that R and D side, I think is important for us as a company, um, and to become more efficient because as we begin to scale, we'll need to be efficient to, for, for costs, uh, sake. So, you know, we're looking to do that. Um, looking to grow our audience since we did 1.4 million unique visitors to our website last month. I'd like to be at two and a half, wow. the three and three million, but end of the year, um, we did 18 million video views last month. I'd like to be at 35 to 40 million video views a month by the end of the year. You know, so we all have, we have goals here at the company and everyone's tasked with heading them. And I think, um, you know, the thing I'm most excited about is on the revenue side, we, we are up 520% on revenue from the same quarter last year that we are this year. Um, you know, in 20, 2060, I mean, I'm not sure how big the audience is here, Jay, but oh, who's listening, but, you know, average order sizes in the cannabis industry, for what we do two years ago were 7,000 and, and, you know, this year they're 80,000 so far. So the, the, just, right. the appetite for brand building and, and, kind of being one of those brands to win in the future is very, very big. And we're, uh, we're well positioned to capture it. 
That's very exciting. Uh, last couple questions for you, Drake, before uh, before we let you go. Um, I always like to, to ask my uh, founders that come on, serial entrepreneurs that are more experienced like yourself, uh, What any one piece of advice for uh, young startup founders or entrepreneurs that uh, that might want to get into the cannabis space or maybe they just want to start a company, uh, you know, what, what advice would you give them? Um, I would say, you know, follow your instincts uh, versus a book. And if you're incredibly passionate about something, you'll find a way to monetize it. Um, I think that mm-hmm. as well, you know, don't be afraid to hold out. I, you know, one of my biggest mistakes was that I sold a company too early and I could have made an extra 30 million bucks if I'd stayed in it. And, uh, you know, but I mean, you know, like I bought Bitcoin at 20, I sold it at 90. I should have hung on to that thing, but um, you never know. I think, <laughs> I think that, uh, you know, it's just it's important to really listen to yourself and not the noise around you because um, it's funny you know how how good our, our radar can you know how good our radar can be if we really listen to it so i think just kind of following your passions and your instincts you know can can treat you well just don't be stupid about it um but i think you know like one of the most important skills um from an entrepreneurial standpoint i think is just really having the balls to say yes more often even if you're prepared with the resources to execute, like if you're not, if you, so many people these days overanalyze something, right? They're like, well, if I, you know, if I do it, I, I don't have the resources. And I, then if I get it wrong, I'll go out of business. And I say, fuck all that. You, mm-hmm. you, when somebody says to you, I'm willing to pay for this and you can find product market fit with a customer, you figure out a way to execute that because that is how you're going to grow your business. Because if somebody wants what you offer, you have the opportunity to start and grow a business. And I just see a lot of people overanalyzing a lot of the time. And, uh, you know, that doesn't really get you anywhere. Um, it may get you a great job at McKinsey uh, or BCG. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and they're great places, I'm just saying. Um, but on the entrepreneurial side, you got you, you to gotta jump in. You got to take risks. And you, you, you got to believe in yourself that you can execute for the, for the right reasons. That's awesome. Thanks for that advice, Drake. Um, last question is, uh, you know, where can people find you, follow you, connect with you? Obviously, um, your website, which will have linked up uh, uh, your company website, prohibited.com, which we'll have in the show notes. Personally, do you, are you on social at all or, or is there any way that people can connect with you? Uh, prohibited is P-R-O-H-B-T-D.com. There are no vowels. That's prohibited.com. You can go to prohibitedmedia.com, which is more of a B2B site. We are on Instagram. We are on Facebook. At Instagram, it's at prohibited. At Then it's at prohibited media. Um, on Facebook, it's just at prohibited. We're on Twitter, etc. Uh, and I'm, right. I'm on LinkedIn. You can find me there. Uh, feel free to uh, feel free to say hi. Awesome. Thanks so much for your time, Drake. It's been a very, very interesting and enlightening discussion. Uh, appreciate your, your time and uh, best of luck with the business. Cool, man. Thanks, Jay. Appreciate it. Okay, bye. All right, take care. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. All the show notes and links can be found over at jkimshow.com. Come back often and make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. Don't forget to join us next week for another exciting episode of The J. Kim Show. I'd love to hear your comments. You can find me on Twitter at jkimmer, J-A-Y-K-I-M-M-E-R. See you guys next week.
This podcast is brought to you by Hack Your Fitness, the high achiever's guide to getting ripped in under three hours a week. If you're anything like me, you're probably working a full-time job or jobs and trying to find time to balance family life, social life, and last but not least, fitness. Look, I get it. I'm a full-time investor and entrepreneur myself and father of two. So how am I able to stay fit year-round without spending hours and hours in the gym killing myself on the cardio machine? After struggling for the last 15 years trying every workout and diet under the sun, I finally designed a system that allows me to achieve and maintain single-digit body fat for life in under 3 hours a week. Cardio not required. Head on over to hackyour.fitness and download my free 13-page guide that teaches you the simple science behind efficient fitness and smart nutrition and gives you everything you need to know to finally take control of your life. That's hackyour.fitness. 